This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Hey, welcome to the best way to make a career change while also social distancing at the same time. And we want to share tonight quite a few of the really specific questions that we have received over the last week. Actually, we've received a lot of questions over the last week in particular, and we've gone through and we've chosen a few of those to be able to make sure that you're getting answers to tonight. I have not just myself here, but we have Philip Mianko, who is our Director of Student and Client Success, along for the ride. Philip is here to make sure that you get your questions answered, that everything runs smoothly, and that he also is an expert in all the things that we're going to get to talk about. Philip also, coincidentally, is anytime somebody reaches out to us at, at Happen to Your Career, they're often, Philip is often the first person that they get to interact with and meet here at HTYC. So Philip's helped us develop a, a variety of our programs over the years and really, really knowledgeable for all things career change. So Philip, excited to have you here, keeping things running. And Philip, you want to flip the slide so we can get into question number one here. This comes from Jessica. And Jessica, by the way, if you're on here, don't hesitate to let us know. Jessica says, how do I start a career change when I don't know what I want to do next? I don't know what job out there is suitable for me. How can I leverage my current work experience and existing skills? And Jessica, I think this is such a great question. And in some ways, this is the question, because if you aren't after just another job, and most of the people that listen to Happen to Your Career podcast, by the way, let us know in the chat if you listen to the podcast, and that's how you found us. But most people that you know, read our emails and listen to the podcast are here because they're not just after another job. And many times, a lot of the people that follow HTYC can get another job, and that's not the problem. The challenge is, how do I know what is going to be a great fit for me when I don't necessarily have a place to start? I just know that what I'm doing right now is not the right fit where do I go from there? And how do I leverage the assets that I already have in the form of work experience, skills, knowledge, strengths, and everything else that comes along with it? Okay, so let me try and answer that question directly. And also I'll share with you, this is actually the same process that we use behind the scenes with our, our clients, our students in all of our programs, for that matter. It's the same process that I developed for myself around 12, approaching 15 years ago, I guess, at this point. First thing that we do, and it sounds like extra work, but one of the first things that we'll do that helps us understand where to begin looking, because that's the challenge here, is I need to understand and have a place to begin looking. Because if I don't know what the destination is, it's going to be really, really difficult to build a plan to get there, right? So first thing that we do is we start with what we already know is going to create the building blocks for a phenomenal career situation. 
Now, let me share a couple of the examples of that. There's actually quite a few more than we're going to be able to get into here, but let me share a couple examples of that. We know that when people are spending more time working in their strengths, and whether it's actually working or doing something else in their strengths, utilizing their strengths, and I'm not talking about skills, I'm talking about their strengths, those things that are underneath the surface that make those skills and tasks and projects and the things that you work on easier and you're more predisposed to that. When you spend more time working in your strengths, even as little as one to two more hours per day compared to what you're doing now, then you experience higher productivity at any given moment through it during the day, you feel more fulfilled or happier with your work. There's a ton of research out there at this point to indicate that when we feel or when we spend more time working in our areas of our strengths, then there's a lot of good things that come along with it. Even some loose links to less experiences of heart disease and a few other afflictions as well. That's one of the places that we start. And then from there, we go into not just what are your strengths, but also what creates an amazing opportunity for you. What are the areas that you're missing that you don't have right now that you want? So sometimes, a really common one 45 days ago, was people came to us saying, hey, how can I get more work or more remote work or flexibility built into, uh, built into what I'm doing for work? A lot more people have remote work than they did 45 days ago. And they're also realizing that's not necessarily the whole answer to their problem. That said, those are the types of things we're looking at. What is missing from your situation right now that you need in order to have a more fulfilling set of work? So some other examples are you know, being able to be surrounded by people that have similar values to you, being able to have a higher degree of learning in the variety that you experience out of your job, your role. Those are just a couple examples, but we have to understand what's missing before we can create that destination. Okay, so then from there, uh, once we have those pieces put together, it creates, we actually use a tool internally called Ideal Career Profile, which helps build out a checklist of what you need. Once you have that checklist, you can actually begin testing out if you're on the right path or not. And then once you have that Ideal Career Profile, it allows you to be able to build a plan to be able to get there. Because now, if we know that we're going to Tallahassee, Florida, we can much easier build a route. You know, I can punch in the GPS and find, okay, here's several different ways that I can get to Tallahassee, Florida. Which one's going to be right for me? And then it's much easier to be able to build a plan to get to that thing, get to that destination, or get to that situation for your career that's going to be a better fit. Okay, so that's at a high level how we do that. Those are some of the milestones that happen along the way. If I'm missing any one of those pieces, like I'm missing, you know, what's going to create a great situation for me, what do I actually need for me personally in the next role, then what's going to happen is I'm going to make a change and I'm going to get there and I'm going to realize after the honeymoon period wears off, you know, after six months passes that, oh crap, I didn't think about the fact that I needed this other thing. I didn't think about the fact that I needed to have a high degree of autonomy in the role and have a lot of influence into how the work gets done. I didn't think about the, you know, whatever it is, insert your thing here. So we want to do that work beforehand and that helps establish the destination. So that's how we handle it on a very high level. I want to actually go to the next question though, because it'll help continue to answer this question from Jessica as well. 
Question number two, how to, how to network and make a big move during a pandemic? Very appropriate timing. And we've been getting a lot of questions like this. That's part of the reason why we chose this particular one. This comes from not me, Scott, but a different Scott. And Scott, feel free to let us know if you're here and feel free to share more about your situation and we can make this really very fitting to you and your situation. But I think that this is really relevant to the next set of steps as well. And I want to give you a few different ways that we do that. So once I have a really, really good understanding, a really specific understanding, keep in mind, we have to get very, very specific. Otherwise, it's really difficult to go to the next step. It's really difficult to know who should I network with? Who should I build relationships with? And one of the ways that we do that to make that easier is if I have my ideal career profile and what creates an amazing next step for me, that checklist that I was talking about, and I've already given thought and done all that work. Generally, this isn't like sitting down one time for 30 minutes and boom, popping out all this stuff. When we work with people behind the scenes, sometimes it might take like six or eight weeks to begin to answer those types of questions. But once I have that helps me begin to say, okay, here's the organizations or the types of organizations where I'm likely to find that. Well, I used the example earlier of, I need a high degree of learning. So we helped a few people that fall into this category where, you know, I'm a learner and if I'm not learning, I get bored really quickly. And so I need to always be learning. And part of what makes that learning valuable for me is that I'm able to take that learning and then apply it right into, into my particular role. And that's something that's valuable for the organization. So they're getting benefit out of it too. So maybe I decide that, you know what, I'm probably more likely to find that at not a huge organization where everyone is specialized and, you know, Fortune 500, I might not get that degree of learning because I would be more specialized there. And maybe that's more of a smaller or mid-sized organization where it's valuable to them to have somebody continue to learn and the role is continuing to evolve along with the company at the same time. So that helps me to structure where I begin looking to match up. And that's just one example uh, those organizations. So then I'm actually going to build out a company's list. And the way that I might start that is just taking a few organizations that I suspect might line up with what I need most, or at least more likely to. And then from there, that gives me the ability to identify people in that organization. So let me give you an example, Scott, that we had a while back. And for those podcast listeners, by the way, if you've listened to the Happen to Your Career podcast, you might have heard Laura's story on there. And Laura, in her particular case, she was one of those learners, <laughs> absolutely. And she ended up actually identifying a couple different types of roles that could potentially be a good fit and some organizations that also potentially lined up with her ideal career profile. So she suspected that she might be a good fit for innovation type roles or potentially product management type roles. Those were two of the things that were on our list. She actually had four different types of opportunities that she didn't know, but suspected could be a great thing for her, a great change for her and wanted to find out. Also, she wanted to be able to build relationships at this time and she didn't necessarily have time to do, go and do tons of coffee meetings necessarily. So what she did in this particular case was she reached out 
to those organizations that were on our list for the people that were in those particular roles. And so like she reached out to one person on LinkedIn in, in a product management role and said, Hey, you know what? I'm going to make a career change in the next, next few months. And I'm trying to figure out what would be right for me. And I have begun to be interested in product management. Would you be interested in spending 15 minutes with me so that I can ask a few questions about what you enjoy for product management and also what you don't enjoy as much. And that would be really, really helpful. So that's the type of way that she reached out. She'd do that via email. Another thing that she did too is she actually leveraged some people that she already knew and already had relationships with to make introductions to some other people that fit these companies, fit these criteria. So actually, I personally introduced her to somebody who was working in innovation type role. You know, she had a conversation with that person. And since I introduced them, you know, there was already some element of trust there. But the same thing can happen with anybody that you know. So in Laura's case, she was able to go through at the same time as she was beginning to network, which I don't really like the new word networking because I think it takes the focus off what's actually useful and valuable. I think what's more important is being able to build relationships with people. And she was able to build those relationships well at the same time as trying to validate what was a great potential role and organization for her. Okay, we'll show you some other examples of that here that are happening like right now with some of our students and some of the people that we're working with behind the scenes. However, in Laura's case, if we fast forward, she actually ended up talking to an organization that she just sort of fell in love with. She's like, oh my goodness, I have to work here. When she got to that point, it was much, much easier because she already had some of the relationship in place. As she was learning what was going to be great for her, she already had, since she'd already reached out and already had two conversations with people at that company, it was much easier for her to reach out and say, you know what, I've been talking to a lot of people and I really love what you're doing here. And I would love to work with y'all. What advice would you give me to be able to you know, make that possible in the future. And it began a conversation, which ended up resulting in a, a couple other conversations, which ended up resulting in interviews and ultimately resulted in a, in a job offer and them uh, modifying a role for her at that organization to what she needed. So there's one example. Let's talk about another one here. Let's go to question number three, Philip. Question number three, how to reach out and ask questions and network without seeming desperate, especially if you don't currently have a job. This is a really great question, Kat. I want to give you an example. We have somebody that Philip, you're actually working with right now. You know, when we chat, chatted a little bit about this question earlier, I know that you had suggested her situation because she's experiencing this like right now in the last 24 hours. And we thought maybe it'd be helpful to share a real-time example for how this is happening. Philip, you want to share that example? Yeah, sure. The client who we have right now, her name is Vicky, and that's exactly what Scott and I were thinking about. Who can we use right now during all this time to really show exactly what Scott's talking about? So it's an actual client, Vicky, working with her right now, and she actually sent this message, what's day, Friday, Wednesday, and received a response back on Thursday. But here are the steps that we used for Vicky and reaching out to one of her target organizations, Cisco. And so you can see right from what Scott was mentioning, we've worked and identified her strengths and her preferences and her interests and really build that ideal career profile. And for her, one of the biggest things in test driving her next career, we focused on more of an organization approach. For her, 
like Scott mentioned in his examples. And what I find for a lot of people that I talk to is that they really care about the people they work with and the values of the organization and ultimately the team that they're on. So the organization really mattered to her. So we next created a target organization list and then started reaching out and really started to focus on what those target companies were. And of course, we started at this, the biggest and scariest ones first, because if we're going to do this, we're going to start there. And <laughs> after getting that target list of companies, we then began to look for contacts on LinkedIn. And you can see her message over there on the right side of your screen, but really the process and making these reach outs and contacts from our target organizations. So again, we've got our list of target companies and target organizations. We then find a contact at each one of those companies. And ideally, this is somebody who's a hiring manager, maybe somebody who works in HR, or this is somebody who is specifically doing that type of role that you're looking to do. So we found these people on LinkedIn. We Step number one is after looking at them, we found a shared interest or commonality. And for Vicky, she likes K-pop. And I don't really know what K-pop is too much. I did <laughs> dancing, but her contact also had K-pop on his LinkedIn profile. And one of her biggest questions to me is, is this something that I can talk to him about? Shouldn't it be more professional? And I'm like, no, he has it on his LinkedIn profile. He's putting it out there. This is something that can make you stand out amongst anybody else. So using those unique commonalities and finding those, those interests. But then the second one is coming up with one to two genuine questions that you have, i.e. this is not, hey, can I pick your brain on this? Or what's the day in the life of those things? These questions are what she was genuinely curious about because once you get into conversation, really want to make sure it's driving from those places of curiosity. We next had a list of templates that we created, but also behind the scenes of the program, we have some that we personally also created as well. But if you need some right now, if you haven't heard me on the podcast, I always give book recommendations. You can always go out there and get, wait, how do you write that email? That's a book has tons of great templates in there. Go get on Amazon now. But after we did that, we picked a template. She wrote the email. We proofread it, made sure it was very approachable. And then we did the scariest thing of all. We hit send. And I know for her, and I know very many people have this whole fear out there of, oh my gosh, what if they hit send? And then they send me this message back that's like, don't you ever talk to me ever again. You should leave and get out. And I told her, and that was often a fear that came up in her head, that's actually never happens. And really, if we're sending messages that are nice like this in the upfront, we'll usually either get a nice response back or no response at all. And the last time I checked, besides, you know, everything going in the pandemic, we all have received no responses before and the world keeps on turning. But the good news is Vicky got a response. And literally, she got this response yesterday from this gentleman. And again, he says, hey, that's so great reaching out. And I can't believe you found that one very obscure thing. Yes, let us set up time. And for a lot of people, especially in these times too, we're setting them up over Skype, over Zoom, over FaceTime. It's making sure we're being really creative and able to contact these people and really also treat them like human beings. This guy is just another normal human being, and so is she. That's really the process that we use that's, that Scott's mentioning. And like we mentioned, 
this is an actual client. This happened Wednesday to, and got the response yesterday. And she's been doing lots of these. So this is one out of many, many examples. And she's also received no response too. But part of doing the work with us and part of doing the work that is doing these reach outs is sending them out and being okay with not potentially getting responses. We have a couple of follow-up questions too here. So the name of, it wasn't, it says, what is the name of the website for template questions? So this wasn't necessarily a website. It's just one of the books. We had Danny Rubin on our podcast and he's become a friend since. And he wrote a book called, wait, how do I write that email? Yeah. If you search, write that email, you you can find it on Amazon and he's got lots of great templates in there. Danny's a great writer. Anyhow, that's one of the resources. We also have a lot of templates that we use behind the scenes too to help people start for, just have a place to start. However, here's the catch for this. Philip mentioned two things that are incredibly important. One is that this stuff has to be genuine, which means that often you can't just copy and paste the template. In fact, rarely does you just copy pasting a template actually work. It's not effective because it's not genuine. Because if you want to build a relationship, a relationship is about genuinely connecting with another human being. That's like the really overly simplified version of building a relationship, which means that you can't fake it and you can't just press copy and paste. So get the book. Great book. That said, the hard part is how do I modify this stuff? And we find behind the scenes, it's much more about that looking for ways to genuinely connect with them in a way that's relevant. Kat says, could you speak a little bit more about creating the list of target companies? What is the process like for your clients? So here's the thing that might not necessarily be obvious, Kat, that we see a lot behind the scenes. If you have already done all of the work to define what makes an amazing opportunity for you, it's a lot easier to build that list. It's really, really, really difficult to build that list when we get an email. And I get emails all like, like this all the time. And I'm really honored to you know, have, have people want to ask us these type questions. But also, a lot of the times when people send an email like, hey, I know that I want to work with an organization that really values integrity. And that's what they're starting with. There's lots of organizations that fit that bill out there, and it's not specific enough to be able to have a place to start. Like You're going to have a hard time ruling out organizations, so I want to get specific enough to the point where I know that I have a place to start. A lot of times, you can be, here's some questions that you can ask yourself in order to get specific enough to begin creating a list for target companies. One of those questions is, and we use this type of question all the time behind the scenes, it's just one of many, but what is missing that you want to have in your work that you don't have right now? Or if you could only have you know, three things in your work, what would they be? And when I say only have three things, I'm not necessarily just talking about like, getting paid a certain amount or only working with smart people, or it can be literally anything. And there are some areas like strengths, as an example that I gave earlier, that we know that human beings must have 
based on, on research in order to have any level of fulfillment in their work for any length of time. And strength is just one of those pieces. There are also a whole series of other areas that are really just specific to you as an individual human being that you need to do the work to define for yourself. For example, I had a conversation earlier today where the guy who I was talking to, really fun conversation with him. And he had talked about, hey, here's one of the pieces that I must have in my work. I need to be able to not just be learning, but I need to be able to learn something that is complex. That can keep my engagement and attention up, but it's only fulfilling for me when I am then able to take that knowledge that I've learned about recently and then be able to share that with someone else and either save them time or you know, have them look at me as having some kind of expertise or being able to you know, add some type of value there. And it's only complete for me when I get that full cycle, not just the learning, but also the sharing and contribution to someone else because he has this unique ability to be able to take really complex things and break it down in really, really simple ways that people can understand what are the benefit to them out of it. And that's, that's pretty cool. But if he's missing that particular cycle that we identified, then it's not going to be a great situation for him. But that's unique to him. Not everybody needs that exact same type of thing in the exact same way. That's just one example. Because what that does is that allows us to, knowing pieces like that, it gives us a place to start building that list of target companies. I mentioned the example earlier about you know Fortune 500 versus a smaller or mid-sized company. In his case, he works for a Fortune 500 right now, and it's not a great fit for him. If we know that he needs to be in an environment that really values a huge amount of learning much more than the average person needs, and also rewards being able to share that with other people, then that starts to pare down the organizations. We know that is probably not a super small organization that fits him, but also we know that it can't be an organization that has tons of specialty or is really stagnant or is really mature. So that eliminates a whole bunch of other places. Then we can start to combine that with the other things that he knows about himself too. Like he lives in a certain place and he doesn't want, he doesn't want to work remotely over the long term necessarily. That means that we need to focus on organizations like that in that particular location. And then we take the other pieces, we just start layering it in. And then that allows us to understand where to start. I think an important point to mention in there too, Scott, is for most people that I speak to, right, when we first think of happening in your career, most people want a giant list of every single organization out there. They want to go, oh my gosh, what are all the organizations? So then I can go and pick from the list that I think that I believe the ones will work for me. And what we find very much, I think from the same conversations that you're having today, is that really it's actually doing that same process that you were talking about, about getting really clear about what's the best environment, role, team, all those things that are going to be the most important for you and starting from there and playing an elimination game. Absolutely. And that's half the challenge, partially because that's off script. Like we don't learn that any place in school. Like that's not something where you go take a class in college on that, or you're taught that sort of thing. And all the many skill sets that go along with it, or even how to think that way necessarily. So it is counterintuitive compared to the way that most of us are thinking about making a career change. That said, 
I mean, that's really what is required if you want something that is an exception to the rule. What I mean by that, when I say exception to the rule, right now, and you know, Philip and I and the rest of our team hope to make a serious impact on this, but right now, when you look at people, the percentage of people out there that have fulfilling work, meaningful work that they are enamored with that pays really well and fits their strengths, and a lot of the other things that we've mentioned or that we've had questions on, Worldwide, it's actually less than 4% or only 4% people fit into that category. So that means that if you're wanting that thing, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And it's very, very possible, but it means you need to, need to recognize that it is an exception to the rule, which also means that if you are going about this, this process the same way that everybody else does that has work and is getting work that isn't as meaningful or doesn't fit with the life that they want to lead or doesn't match up with their strengths fully or any number of other things, then you're not going to arrive at that result. It requires a different pathway, which also requires thinking about this differently too. So this is, I know, very backwards from the advice that is typically out there. But we find that it's far, 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 far more effective if you're wanting the type of career change that we're describing. It makes it possible. It makes getting exceptions made for you possible. And a lot of times we find that behind the scenes, those opportunities are modified or even created once we get anywhere close to the job offer process too. Okay, let's go on to question number four here. Question number four, I've changed career paths multiple times. How do I use transferable skills now and convince hiring managers that I'm a dedicated worker and would be valuable to them? So this is, this is a really interesting question. It's also a question that we've received a lot in one form or another. So you're in good company, Jennifer. It also at the same time is under the assumption that we have to convince hiring managers that you're a dedicated worker and that career changing multiple times in the past is really a huge detriment. And it is going to be for some hiring managers. Let's acknowledge that first of all. Like for some people out there, they're going to be permanently stuck on if you have made career changes or you haven't been in a role for 10, 15 plus years, then you're just not the person for me. And I say, that's fine. That's okay. Let's not worry about that person. You don't need to please the person who isn't going to take you anyways, no matter what you do. Instead, let's not try and roll the rock uphill. Let's not try and roll the boulder uphill. Let's make it much, much, much easier, but also at the same time, let's take a more effective approach on it. So this is a really great question, Jennifer, because I think so many people have this question. Marissa said, oh, Marissa chimed in and said, number four is a great question. So lots of people have this type of question. It doesn't quite work that way in reality. Instead, what I want to do is I want to find those organizations that are more likely to have the types of opportunities that already align up with the skills that I have, the experiences that I have, and really actually need somebody who has more eclectic experience in one way or another, if you've, you know, career changed multiple times. I did that same thing. My own personal career path, you know, I made a change from operations into HR, like those are drastically different things, or at least most people think about them as drastically different things. I find that actually most different types of roles 
have about roughly a 60 to 70% overlap in basic skill sets in one way or another. And although we don't have time to dig into that fully, we can simply say that a lot of times skills are more transferable than what you think they are. And it's less about convincing hiring managers that you're going to be valuable to them and more about finding those hiring managers that already think what you offer is going to be useful to them. Again, it's a different way to look at this. It also requires more upfront work than going to indeed.com and perusing through the pages and pages and pages of existing jobs that are out there. That's not a, necessarily a very effective approach, especially when most people are career changing. Because if you don't already have tons of experience and you're not the perfect resume candidate, then you know applying online is probably not going to be as an effective approach for you. Plus, we also know that most hiring managers, all hiring managers to some degree, hire people and want to work with people that they have some kind of relationship with or that they can see some kind of commonality with them that they can see fitting on the team and several other pieces too. But I find it to be much more effective strategically to use the process that we had described earlier, which is let's identify really specifically what we need, and then let's begin to build a list of target organizations that are likely to fit that. And you know what? If we find, like if we put Cisco on the list, and then we find out later that Cisco doesn't actually fit that really well, that's okay. We just cross them off the list and move to the next organization. There's nothing wrong with that. And it is an iterative process. It's not a, I do all of this work, and then miraculously the company that's perfect appears upon the horizon. Obviously, that's not how it works. And I, I know that's not new news for anybody here that's listening. That said, though, if we approach it like an iterative process and that we're going to add companies to the list and we're going to take companies off the list, that helps us understand more realistically how this is going to work. And it's also the progress that's necessary to lead to those creative types of job opportunities happening behind the scenes, like we talked about for Laura and we've had, you've probably heard of them again and again and again on the Happen to Your Career podcast. That's how those things actually happen. So we've gone through four questions here, but I think the most critical piece here, and it looks like we've got other questions coming in here in the chat, continue to type in questions. And like I said, we'll try and hang around for as many as we possibly can. But I think the biggest piece of advice I would give you, it's really difficult to find what you want and ask for what you want if you're not implicitly clear on what you want, which means then that it becomes really important to do that upfront work to get way more clear than what you think that you need to be about what creates an amazing situation for you. Because otherwise, you're not going to be able to chart the GPS to Tallahassee, Florida. You're not going to be able to begin to build a list of target companies. You're not going to be able to do any of those other things that we've talked about today, or at least it makes it way, 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 way more difficult to be able to make that happen. So that's one of the biggest pieces of advice that I would give to you is you know, take this opportunity you know, right now. Don't wait a year. Don't wait another month. Take the opportunity to begin that type of work. And if you're not finding that you're getting very far on your own, that's totally okay. You know, we've, we encounter some people that can do it on their own, and that's amazing. 
But if you want help with that, that's obviously what we do. It's what we love to do. And it's quite frankly, what we're really, really great at. And I also promised at the beginning of this that I would give you a sneak peek into one of the most successful ways that we help people make career changes. And but only if you wanted it. So here's what I would say right now. If you want a sneak peek into one of the best programs that we've created over the years and refined, then drop a yes in the chat. And I'll go for forward and give you a quick sneak peek into that. That said, though, I'm not going to do it unless it's going to be valuable to you. <laughs> I appreciate very much that you all have decided to invest in yourself and show up and do this type of self-development to get where you want to go. I'm also not interested in if it's not valuable to you. So I see... Okay. All right. We will do that. I see Penny said yes. Melissa said yes. Marissa said yes. Keith said yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. All right. Fantastic. We will do that. Now at this point in time, more than ever before, it becomes critical to be able to build those skill sets for how to build relationships in a digital fashion, as well as an in-person fashion. And again, I'm not talking specifically about networking. I'm talking about genuine relationships with, with people because that's what leads to different types of opportunities. It's one of the most effective ways to be able to get what many of you have described that you wanted. So you also need to be obviously very clear about what you want and need for your career and how you uniquely contribute compared to anybody else. Being able to understand that verbiage is going to be very, very helpful as you go forward here. If this is not your first episode of the Happened to Your Career podcast, you've probably heard somebody on here that their first step to work that they absolutely love, that fits their strengths and they're excited about, was going through our free eight-day mini course to figure out what fits you. And we've had now well over 30,000 people have that as their beginning step to identifying what they want in their lives. And you can do the exact same thing. And if you're interested in that, it asks some really amazing questions to get you started in becoming clear on what you want and what you need in your career. And it's a great way to kick it off and determine what is most important for you moving forward. You can learn what you're great at so you can stop wasting time in your job and start working in your career. Uh, even identify some of the internal blockages that are keeping you from fulfilling work and wealth and career success and begin narrowing down what you should be doing for work that's fulfilling to you. All you have to do is go to figureitout.co, that's figureitout.co, and get started today. Enter your email and voila, we'll send you the very first lesson. Head on over there, figureitout.co. Or you can text HAPPEN to 44222. That's H-A-P-P-E-N to 44222.